0: Public-Private Consortium is seeking to cut the time it takes to discover and advance new cancer therapies to the clinic to one year from the six years it takes on average today. Accelerating Therapeutics for Opportunities in Medicine, or ADAM, brings together scientists from government, academia, and industry with the ambitious goal of harnessing supercomputers to transform cancer drug discovery into a rapid process that can determine molecules that will be safe and effective, but for advancing them to human clinical trials. We spoke to Michelle Arkin, a member of ADAM and associate professor of pharmaceutical chemistry at the University of California, San Francisco School of Pharmacy, about the consortium, the approach it's taking, and why it may alter the way therapies for a much broader range of diseases than cancer are discovered and developed. <music> Michelle, thanks for joining us.
1: Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me.
0: We're going to talk about ADAM, Accelerating Therapeutics for Opportunities in Medicine, a public-private consortium that's seeking to greatly accelerate the preclinical development of cancer therapies. Maybe a starting point, though. Can you begin by explaining how long it takes to move an experimental cancer therapy from discovery to clinical development today?
1: I think the industry average for moving something from the initial stages of the idea into clinical development is about six and a half years, six years, but it's got a wide range on both sides of that. can be faster if it's something that's similar to a drug that's been developed before, and it can be much longer if it's very uh, experimental or really a new mechanism of action. Well,
0: what are the challenges of preclinical development of cancer therapies, and, and why does it take that long?
1: There are challenges at, at each step. So if you think about a drug, and now let's talk about small molecule drugs. So the kinds of drugs you take as a pill that are very common, like aspirin, um, other uh, drugs like that, they are the molecules themselves have very few atoms, maybe thirty twenty or thirty atoms. Okay. So they're Small molecules and all of the information that defines their biology, their therapy, their toxicity is all encoded in this very small molecule. So you have very small space to put a lot of information in, and that takes some time to thread that needle. So a molecule, to be an effective drug, has to engage with a biological target, like a protein, for example, so something that's gone awry in cancer. It has to not engage with proteins or other things in the body that will make it toxic. It has to get through the body to the site of action so it can't be seen as food, it can't be seen as a toxin because your body is very efficient at getting rid of these things. Okay? And um, and then it has to work when it gets to the target. It has to be a good idea to to bind to that target. So you have a number of different features that you're uh, different guesses or hypotheses that you're making and to get everything working right, all those different properties in one molecule, is really challenging. So it's a very iterative, experimental procedure. One other thing, particularly in cancer, that makes it a challenge is the models that we use, the model systems that we use before we go into a patient that would suggest the molecule will be effective or efficacious uh, are not very predictive. So a, a lot of work is going into trying to make models preclinical models that are more predictive of a disease treating
0: disease well let's talk about adam what what are its goals and who are its participants
1: so the goal of adam the big goal is to accelerate accelerate this process from 6 years to 1 year
0: pretty ambitious
1: extremely ambitious but you know <laughs> Uh, it's extremely ambitious and maybe you can do it sometimes and maybe you can't do it others. But even if you utterly fail in your goal and it only takes and it takes two years, you know, twice as long as you want, that's still three times faster than it is now. So I, I think that that's still a, a, it's very worthy to have this very high goal because it forces you to develop technologies that, um, that you wouldn't pressure test quite so hard if you didn't have this high goal. So the the vision for how to do this is to make many more of the iterations of this experiment in silico instead of in a lab. So instead of making um, molecules, designing them, making them, testing them, testing them in assays one at a time, the idea is to do some of that testing, a lot of that testing in silico using different kinds of computer models, very sophisticated computers and computer models and then also to do the experimental testing in a much more parallel way. So instead of testing one assay at a time, we would test multiple assays at one time, then giving that information back to the computer to then make better decisions the next time.
0: There's long been talk of in silico testing of therapies as being a, a rapid path to the clinic. H- has anyone been successful at doing this yet? And, and if not, what, what has been the difficulty in in making in silico any more predictive than the models we're using today?
1: Yeah, that's a really important question. Uh, I think one aspect of ADAM that makes it different, there has been a lot of success in each um, improvements in each stage of the drug discovery path using computers. So in that first stage where you're finding a molecule that touches a target that binds to a protein, Uh, the sophistication around how to identify and characterize those molecules for binding in silico has made a lot of strides. But then when we're getting into more complicated systems where you need to account for the whole system and what we would call a pharmacology model or a safety model, those also have made a lot of progress, but there's still a lot of work to be done because the system is so complicated. One of the things that's exciting about that, though, as you develop systems for understanding safety, that translates very well from molecule or pro- molecule to molecule or project to project. That's not based on the disease. That's based on the the human, which is a constant. Let's say in human medicine. So part of the so there has been a lot of progress um, as computers get faster, and more sophisticated. Algorithms get more sophisticated. Uh, we think more about how to integrate large data sets and very diverse types of data sets, then all of this process moves forward. And a lot of people are trying to push this process forward. Uh, What distinguishes Adam in, in the way it's structured and in its vision is that all of these things are going to be happening at once. So it's not that we go from one stage of the project to another stage, but as much as possible, we try to solve all those problems at the same time.
0: Tell me about the participants then, Adam, who they are, what, what each of their role is, particularly as you you undertake this massively parallel process. Right.
1: So GSK is the pharmaceutical company. This project is, to a large extent, the brainchild of a scientist there named John Baldoni. Uh, he came to, he and Lawrence Livermore National Laboratory, the DOE laboratory, we're discussing collaborations around this idea and he came with this really big vision. So not again this incremental improvement, but let's just try to do it with a completely different mindset. The vision is for GSK is the first company, but they want to encourage other pharmaceutical companies that will really improve the likelihood of success if other companies bring their data and their knowledge sets into the Atom Consortium. And the the output of the Atom consortium really is a set of algorithmic tools to that other groups can take and use themselves to make new drugs. So the idea is that you would join the consortium, you would bring your data in, you would all work together on how to develop this new way of, of thinking about drug discovery, and then you would take that knowledge and those tools back to your home uh, company. Then Lawrence Livermore National Laboratory is a major player. They have all the compute power and uh, deep expertise in developing algorithms for different types of complicated problems that they're now going to be applying to these types of biological problems. Uh, The National Cancer Institute and its um, national laboratory, Frederick National Laboratories, are also involved. They're providing expertise in cancer And UCSF, the institute I work for, University of California San Francisco, is a big medical school, one of the premier biomedical research medical schools in the country. And we'll be providing um, access to cancer biologists, to uh, patient derived materials, possibly to algorithms that are being developed, computational algorithms that are being developed at our university. Uh, And also, a number of us have expertise in drug discovery that we're planning
0: to integrate. GSK is contributing in vitro biologic data from more than two million compounds from its historic and current screening collection and preclinical and clinical information on 500 molecules that have failed in development. Give us some perspective on this. How significant is having access to this volume of data? How, how important will it be to get others to provide similar sets of data for this to, to work?
1: I can't give you any quantitation on that because I I don't really know enough and I don't know what other groups would have to give, although I suspect that that's a pretty similar scale to what other companies have. Um, And you get different types of data. So the 2 million compounds with in vitro data, a lot of that will be negative data. These compounds had no activity in this set of assays or they were completely degraded by uh, liver enzymes right away. So a lot of that negative data also goes into the model. It sets parameters for what the model is. Don't go in this direction. We already know that's a dead end and uh, helps the model be directed towards successful endpoints. So lots of negative data is one big aspect of this. They call it the dark data. Uh, And then as a compound moves forward towards clinical development and then into the clinic, the data set that's associated with that molecule gets much more complex. And you have this multivariable amount of data now that you can bring into the model. So the 500 compounds that failed in clinical trials there will be there's a lot of data from a lot of different angles on those
0: molecules. It's become a bit of a cliche that we're very good at generating data less so at actionable information. Is there something that gives you confidence we know how to use all of the data available to to get us the, the answers we're looking for to achieve Adam's goals? Um,
1: well, that's one, they call them the miracles. These are the things that have to be figured out that we don't know how to do today. And that's really the, the central challenge. How do you know if you're using that data properly? You only know once you've done the experiment and those experiments have, predi- have um, measured up to your prediction. So uh, experimentation is going to be a really key aspect of this also to to tell you whether you have done a good job.
0: And and what's the the process? Do you start with targets? Do you reverse engineer successful molecules?
1: We are not doing, that would be called drug repurposing or repositioning. We're not doing that. The goal here is really to start from scratch. We haven't selected the targets yet and We're starting to develop a set of principles for the targets that we haven't fully vetted. But uh, the overall goal of this is to be a precision medicine initiative, which means that you have an idea about how a patient will respond to a drug based on the patient's specific disease. So that does suggest certain types of targets rather than phenotypes. So it suggests that a patient comes in with a mutation. You know if you inhibit the protein that has that mutation, the cancer cell will die. Those are the more likely to be the types of targets that we'll be focusing on, at least in the near term.
0: Uh, if I understood correctly, your lab does a lot of drug screening. W- will this collaboration allow you to do something in a new way, something that you haven't been able to do before, or is it simply a matter of volume? Uh,
1: we, what we don't do in our lab is a lot of computational science, and so that is all new to me to integrate that amount of computational power into the way we think about drug discovery and drug screening. Uh, I'm hoping that we will contribute either the projects that we're working on will become projects that are suitable for testing in ATOM, also that we can bring our expertise and our instrumentation, our know-how to bear on how to do the experiments. Perhaps a lot of the experiments can be done in our laboratory. Also, because I run this facility, this drug discovery facility on campus, um, I'm in contact with a wide array of people that have different skill sets and different interests at different stages of drug discovery, and so I'm hoping that I can engage people throughout the the university as well.
0: I I want to go back to one point you made earlier. I I would argue one of the issues we face today is great inefficiency brought about by companies doing things in isolation and not sharing their findings. That may mean a a company may spend millions of dollars and and years chasing at something that's already been proven to be a dead end by someone else, but they just don't know about it. What role will there be with sharing what's learned and and how will that be done? And it is only the partners within Adam that will be able to benefit from this, or will this information be shared more broadly? Now,
1: that's an extremely important point. The algorithms will be made public after a year, so there's a short period of exclusivity. But the goal is, is really to make this know-how, what's gained about this process and this philosophy of doing drug discovery public so that others can do that. And the more data that's shared, I think the more general those algorithms will be. But at least they will be good starting points. And, and that is absolutely an important point. If something is a well-known target, there's a lot of biology behind it. You can bet that a lot of different groups are working on it. Uh, on the other hand, if something is effective, then you can have a, a number of drugs that are slightly different from each other, but are all important and can all be effective in the pharmacopoeia. So look at the number of statins we have or different antibiotics that look to be pretty similar in structure or mechanism, but have different spectra of activity. So having a number of different companies working on something that has been demonstrated to be important, I think, is a good thing because you'll have different people look at the same problem and come up with different results. But the getting there faster, getting there more publicly, and cutting off those dead ends faster would make a big difference in the efficiency of the industry.
0: The focus here is on cancer, but do you think this will have implications for other therapeutic areas more broadly?
1: It should. The The goal is certainly that that would be the case. Um, starting with cancer makes a lot of sense for a number of reasons. It fits well into the goals of the Cancer Moonshot that um, was under a lot of discussion when this got started. It um, Cancer is a, a huge disease, it's a terrible disease, it's a, a number of diseases. Precision medicine is a sensible approach because the disease is so variable from patient to patient. Uh, and also we have access to, to samples, to materials derived from patients. We have some understanding of how cancers work. So there are a lot of good reasons to start with it, but most of these algorithms should be independent of the, the disease itself.
0: Michelle Arkin, associate professor in the Department of Pharmaceutical Chemistry at the University of California San Francisco, and part of the Atom project. Michelle, thanks so much for your time today.
1: Oh, thank you. It's been delightful.
0: Thanks for listening. The Bio Report is a production of the Levine Media Group. To automatically download this podcast each week,